Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. What's good people and welcome to the Everyday Hustle. The show that explores the five most important days that have changed the lives of the world's best young creators, entrepreneurs and inventors. With new guests on the show each week, they'll be telling us their incredible stories and their everyday hustle. If you're on a journey, need some inspiration or just want to hear from some of the best young minds around, then subscribe wherever you are listening to this. Follow us on our socials at Everyday Hustle Show on Instagram and ED Hustle Show on Twitter. This is the Everyday Hustle. Our guest today is an all-round media powerhouse, a voice that blesses the airwaves of BBC Radio One Extra, but also knows how to give back through her work, inspiring a generation. Working with a list of successful contemporary companies such as The Fade, Red Bull, and Noisy, her hustle is the only thing that has got her here, and we can't wait to hear it. Welcome, the amazing Cyan Addison. How are you doing? Hi, I'm really good, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yes, thanks for coming down. Um, tell the people exactly what it is you do and what you get up to on a week-to-week basis. Oh wow, that's so long-winded. Um, I started off. As a journalist, when I was 15, mm-hmm. I'm about to turn 28, so that was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And I went into PR. Um, then I went into marketing uh, independently at my own company, Sidetracks, and then at Warner Brother Records. Wow. Um, so I worked on like Wiley's album that sent, and that was a, a lot of fun and very mm-hmm. crazy. <laughs> and then I moved up to Atlantic Records, where I was a marketing manager. So I launched like the careers of Jess Glynn, um, got Charlie XCX her first like top 10 single, yeah. and yeah, Melissa Still. So that was really good. And then I went off to have a baby. So then I was a mum. I'm a mum, brother. <laughs> um, and then I came back and launched a program called Floor Six Music Academy, which was uh, it's a creative agency. So there was various things going on in terms of like us releasing records, mm-hmm. um, us doing listening parties for major labels, and just mm-hmm. doing like really kind of just creative things for other companies. And then all of the money that we made from that fed back into an academy where we mentored for ten weeks forty kids in ten different sections. Wow. Yeah, and then we put on a show at the Roundhouse where they had to um, deliver the whole show. So if you were like <clears throat> in part of the you know PR team, you had to PR the show. If you were one of the journalists, you had to make a zine for the exhibition. Yeah. If you were one of the photographers, you had to create the photography of mm-hmm. the whole program for the exhibition. Mm-hmm. If you was the artist, you obviously had to perform. Um, if you were the producer, you had to make the beat for the artist. So there was ten different sections, and like it, everybody just had to like go in for ten weeks and then sell out the show at the Roundhouse. And um, they put on the show, and it was brilliant. And then um, the mayor of London got in contact and said that he wanted to do a similar thing, but to celebrate a hundred years of some women getting the vote. Yeah. So I'm currently doing a program called Next Step, which is obviously like the next step of Floor Six, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> where we've got ten girls that we're currently mentoring, and they're going to put on two headline shows at XO. On the 7th and 14th of November. Wow. And then I have a record label at Parlophone Records. It's called Saint Music. And I haven't signed anything yet. I'm mm. in the process of it. But yeah, I'm about to start signing the artists that I like and care about and yeah, launching them to the world. Right, oh, Jack, we're going to need a part two for this one, bro. <laughs> oh my so God. Right. So, and radio. Um, and radio. Yeah. Oh gosh, and radio. Yeah, <laughs> just, just drop that one there. Um, 
Right. Okay. I don't know where where to start here. Um, where do you find the time? First of all, <laughs> and you make time. Okay. Yeah, there you we make go. Time. Right. You make time. And, and one of the things that people always come to me and say is like, "Oh, how do I like do everything?" And I'm like, "Look, I've been here since I was 15, mm. and I genuinely did one thing at a time. Like, I got I, I got to the place that I thought I could be the best as a journalist. Yeah. And then I moved into PR. And then when I felt like I was the best that I could be at PR, yeah. you know, I moved into marketing. Um, radio has always been a hobby, so it, to me, that's always been something that I, I did on the side I started off on Ritz mm-hmm. FM doing that and then I moved over to One Extra and I still feel like it's a hobby mm. like, I still think it's crazy that people pay me to speak on radio yeah. like, and give my it's opinion on music yeah, yeah 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 it's crazy so I, everything that I did I, I did it um, contained mm-hmm. you know and I moved on to the next thing so that now I can be at a point kind of 12 years in where I'm a marketing executive and can cover all areas. It's not one of those things mm-hmm. that you kind of learn overnight. Yeah. It's like a really long winded process, but then you learn how to delegate to other people. Yeah. And then they kind of take away some of the strains of what you do. So then you end up just delegating at this wow. stage. Wow. Right. Listen, there is so much that we're going to dive into today. Um, yes. First thing first to kick things off, like what does that word hustle mean to you? Hustle is drive yeah. to me. It's waking up in the morning and making something happen. Mm-hmm. And it, it literally is like, it's self-motivation hustle is it's like waking up and saying to yourself right I've got to make something happen I've got to do something and I think that hustle comes from just knowing that you can be more than you are in that moment Um, so I've always felt like I've been a hustler because I wake up in the morning and I just go and get it like whatever that is I go and get it Mm. and a lot of the opportunities that I've had have been because I've just opened my mouth and gone for it like gone to speak to the CEO of the company or spoken up in a meeting where there's been like 50 people and I've been scared to like the hustle is just like not being afraid to go and get what you want and and just really take your drive seriously like your own drive seriously and and go out there and just get it like hustle My name is Cyan Anderson and this is my Everyday Hustle. Day one of my Everyday Hustle was in 2008 when I interviewed Kano. Mad. I was working for a magazine called Live Magazine. Right. And I say working, but I kind of went in there and was like, um, I want to be a celebrity interviewer. Yeah. And this woman called Chantal Fiddy is there, who's just like a, a media mogul. Like, mm. she's sick. And she was like, you mean journalist? And I was yeah. like, nah, like celebrity interviewer. Because yeah. my friend had brought me there and he'd just interviewed Trey Songs. And I was oh, like, bring me to this sorry. place. Like, I skipped school and everything. And I had like slicks in my hair, like <laughs> diamonds, diamantes on my teeth, everything. Like, I was so facey. And this Chantal woman was like, nah, it's a journalist and if you want to do that like yeah. this is the place for it yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and she was like what can you do I was like well I can write like yeah. I'm good at writing I'm good at English she was like cool like just get writing mm. and then she used to just let me roll everywhere with her yeah. and she was like <clears throat> like the, one of the spearheads of grime mm-hmm. so she would be around you know Skepta, Kano all these people Daily, day to yeah. day yeah. just normal and I would only see them on Channel U and I didn't have Channel U because I couldn't get Sky in my area so yeah. <laughs> I would literally only see them when I was at my friend's house yeah. watching these programmes. What was life um, for you like growing up? Mm, I don't know, like it was just ends, innit? Like everything that you stereotypically hear about South London, that was me, Pretty you know? Much. I would yeah, go yeah, to yeah. school in kickers like, yeah. with, a, with a, you know... Um, the the JD bag just do it bag for <laughs> well, yeah. JD <laughs> like lollipop in my hair yeah. like we went through a little period where we had dummies around our chains mm-hmm. and like yeah, yeah like and <laughs> I was just in school with my friends waiting to get to year nine so that we mm-hmm. could go out for lunch like it was all just very gang gang you mm-hmm. know yeah 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 for real <laughs> um and I was just not really taking anything seriously like I did um college and then 
we we were in class one time and people was the the, the lesson was about UCAS mm. and it was like right everybody get on the computers and start doing like your UCAS forms and stuff and everyone got on the computers and started working I was like quite forceful I was it? like what is UCAS yeah, I was like what where how how have I missed this because everybody else yeah. seems to know what's going on like what is UCAS and I kind of just then zoned out and mm-hmm. like and then. Every every week, everyone was like completing these UCAS forms, and I was just sat there not doing anything. And a, no one noticed that I wasn't doing anything, and b, no. like no one literally cared or asked. Yeah. So, I then when it got to that point of like, oh, okay, cool, like we got to get these A levels to go to university. I did my, I was doing psychology and media, and I got a D in my media class. Yeah. But it was the same day that I was doing a film. Um, for the BFI it was screening at the BFI oh, wow. that I'd done with yeah, Liberty yeah, yeah. Live magazine so when I got the D I was like I'm definitely good at media because I just had a screening at the BFI grades don't define you sort yeah. Of yeah, 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 yeah so that's when I kind of went through my rebellious stage where I was like oh, I'm not doing this and mm-hmm. I said to my mom, like I want to quit and like really take this journalism yeah. <clears throat> stuff seriously this is like after I'd met Kano and everything yeah and I could see a path for myself like down that route mm-hmm and my mum was like, look, as long as the next two weeks of your life are productive every single day, yeah. I will let you drop out. And yeah. so I went on holiday for two weeks, which was real productive. <laughs> I had a great time. <laughs> Big up Portugal. Yeah. And, then, <laughs> and then I came back and I just really got stuck in. Yeah. Um, but I was really inspired by that meeting of Kano because I just never, ever expected to be in a room with Kano. And I met Richard Thomas, his manager mm-hmm. at that point. And it was mm-hmm. in like some really posh building. And it was just kind of like a Q&A with him. And he was playing us some music. Um, I think he was going into like an album campaign. He wanted to just do like a focus group with some of his fans and call audience to find out what people actually thought of the music and it was like I felt really privileged to be in that space and a couple of weeks later there was a festival um, Love Music Hate Racism and I was backstage and I used to blog and I was backstage and I don't really like I don't really bread like I can't like come up to you and oh my god and like yeah 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 it's just not who I am but I'm but I'm very polite Mm -hmm. so when I saw Kano I've said hello just because obviously it's a polite thing to do. Yeah. We have met before. And he was like, oh, it's you. You're right. Da, 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 da. And I was like, oh my God, he remembers crazy. me. Like, this is so crazy. Yeah. And then my friend was like, please get me a picture. I was like, honestly, I can't. Like, <laughs> I, like, I literally can't. She was like, but you got one from when you met him. And I was like, okay. So I asked him for a picture. And he was like, yeah. And he took one. He was like, you get in as well. And then new brand flex were like kind of across the way. And they was mm-hmm. like, oh, we're going to get in as well. And then like, I ended up having pictures that day with like half the scene, like all the wow. channel new stars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then obviously MSN days <laughs> and yeah. Facebook days, I put all these pictures up and everyone was like, oh my God, she's me made it she's made yeah. it and I was like no I haven't, no. <laughs> like, I, haven't I actually haven't done anything everyone wanted to be my friend and I was like okay cool this is really weird because you people didn't really care about me before you yeah. kind of all got on with your day um and that like was a really defining moment for me because it was like do I want to pursue this career with mm-hmm. these people who are out and about at these festivals like performing and like yeah. really pushing themselves um out of the hood or, um, or do I want to be with these hood people that actually don't really care about yeah. me on a day-to-day level but care about me when I can align them with you know channel you celebrities my day two is late 2010 when I went into Atlantic Records to do a handover for the Ed Sheeran project with Ben Cook and kind of all the other CEOs. So Ben Cook is, yeah, he's now like the president of He is of the president it, right? of Atlantic, Yeah, he yeah. is the president of it. Yeah. Um, that's a pretty surreal moment. Um, mentioning a big name there, Ed Sheeran. Yes. Okay, so take us through it. How did it all begin? How did it come about? So I was working for an initiative called Christian Aid yeah. and my friend Mervyn, the same friend who took me to Live Magazine in the first place, mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I found this kid busking like, 
we're going to put him on our Christian aid show. Wow. And uh, Control Shift was an organization that was all about how do we raise money without like cir- like circling buckets in people's faces. Yeah. So like put on events, raise money, etc. And so we did this massive event. Ed Sheeran performed and I was like, you're amazing. And I used to book for I Love Live, the live night. Mm-hmm. And then I called them and said, there's this kid, he's amazing, we need to book him. Yeah. And they was like, we have no slots. And I was like, trust me, he's only here for today. Like he's sofa surfs, like he, we, we won't get him again. Mm-hmm. Like you have to hear him. And I Love Live is a very black night. Like it was all yeah. black crowd, like an industry. And he's like obviously like a white ginger kid. Yeah. So I'm trying to explain the proposition to them, and they're just like, we don't get it. Like this white ginger kid with a guitar. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you don't have any music to play us, not a biog, not a picture, mm-hmm. like nothing. And I'm like, no, but like trust me. And I remember them saying like, okay, cool, put take someone off the lineup. But if this doesn't work, like you're not booking for us again. Yeah. And I was like, cool. So I brought Ed Sheeran down. And I was with Julie as a new girl, who's like my best friend. Yeah. And I was shook. I was like, shit, what have I done? What if he doesn't actually smash it? Like, was he <laughs> as good as I thought he was, or yeah. whatever? And um, it was the same day that like I had like P money down there, little D, all these like. MCs mm-hmm. and stuff and Angel was on the lineup like there was all these other people there and he came and he got on stage and he was terrified I've never seen him terrified really? before he was shook he performed he smashed it like he did yeah. you need me I don't need you like, yeah really pat, 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 wheeling him up and everything with the band and that little guitar oh, oh wow and it was like it was sick and then when he came off stage like we obviously hung out and he was like spitting lyrics to me mm. and I was like how do you know these lyrics he was like so I listen to you like Jamie yeah, yeah. so Julie's like oh, whatever like you know like she's yeah, so sick of it like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And this is like this is like what 10 years ago she, really, she was already sick of it um, so she's like he, he just used to spit lyrics over and over and then we started rolling together and he used to just spit lyrics all the time but mm. like like really annoying like I'm jarred by it like I'm like Edgy just stop spitting like you're yeah. always spitting like you're a singer like just stop like he used to do my head in like and then he started staying at my house and it like he was staying on my sofa this is so surreal man <laughs> what and he but he used to, and his feet used to stink as well he used to get on my nerves so much like his feet used to stink he'd take his trainers off downstairs and like the whole house would stink of Ed's feet like, it was ones. horrible but like he used to be downstairs making music as a guitar yeah. and like rapping people's lyrics and then he was like I want to do this collaborations project like, I was like mm. do it like it would be sick and then so like he just done like he started getting on with it like yeah. we connected him some people he knew like how to connect with the rest of the people he recorded this thing I wrote a press release like put it together sent it out done a press day and um, invited lots of journalists down you know and they did they interviewed him put the articles out um, then I went to <clears throat> radio yeah um, and said will you play this song called radio <laughs> but it's obviously with Jamie about yeah. not, not being, being played on the radio but it'll be yeah. ironic if you play it I can't remember who it even was so it's probably like Target or something but they played it um, no Mr Jam he played it and then it just popped off like and then all of a sudden we was like number two in the charts and then like Rihanna was number one and we was like shit this is gonna go and what are we gonna do and then I was like all I know how to do right now is send a press release to the whole industry like every single person in my email like in big red writing saying mm. like everybody buy this now mm. and I kind of sent that off and then like everyone was tweeting like oh my god like this kid's gonna and blow it and it popped off and then you know he kind of went with um Asylum slash Atlantic yeah, yeah. Records because Ed Howard had been to like every show yeah. before like he'd even popped off and he really liked Ed Howard and like he really caught a vibe from him so you know he got like properly with Stuart his manager who's still his manager to today and then he went to sign to Atlantic and he was like there's this girl who like has worked on all my stuff she's got like all my images my biography yeah. like all the media packs everything so it was like can you come in and like do a handover so I went in and I was like, "Raw, this is like a big like deal. This is a major label. I've mm. never seen one in my life yeah, like yeah, properly." Yeah. And um, I sat in this meeting with Ed Howard and Ben Cook and Mark Mitchell, who is now like the president of Parlophone, and th- they were like 
what the hell like where have you come from yeah, yeah, yeah. what is, what have you been doing like what do you do and I was like oh I'm just you know out here from there just doing some <laughs> stuff like and, and then at the same time I was doing like the P Money release the Random yeah. Impulse release and it was all like number one in their fields on iTunes yeah. and that used to be a big deal if you was number one in the hip hop charts yeah, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a big deal so they was like raw like you're behind a lot like do you want to stay here and carry on doing yeah. the Ed Project and I said no 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 I'm too scared for that and I'm too young yeah. for that and I don't I don't want to do it and then it was like cool we'll pay you for what you've done with Ed and I was like no no no, no it's fine like we're just friends like, take the money no I didn't want to I was scared I was like no what? I don't want him to think that I did this to eventually get money from him yeah. so I was like no way like um, I just want him to do well like mm-hmm. go off and prosper but they were adamant that you know, you know we want to you know give you some money for, for what you've done mm-hmm. and then they gave me a fat check like and I was like raw you can really make money off this yeah. thing like this is how much they valued that yeah. and I was like raw okay cool this is like this is serious and then I got a call from um I think it was a Facebook message actually from Sam Stubbins who now manages Neo um, and he was he was the digital guy at Warner head of digital wow. and he was like will you come in we've got two projects we need like the Ed Sheeran yeah, factor for them factor. and it was Stushy and Clement Martha on the front line when they had like champion no so way. I went in they was like let's do like six months mm-hmm. consultancy I was like great they gave me a fee I was like wow this is a sick fee I didn't even negotiate I was like this is it perfect Ballin. it was sick like it was so good yeah and I was like wow I work at a major label now like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a PR um, no promotion yeah I was a mm. PR and then six months later I like kind of packed my stuff and I was like okay bye guys it's my last day and him and Jennifer Ivory who's like the head of marketing mm. was like where are you going I was like, well, <laughs> my contract's up like I thought contracts was like a big yeah, deal yeah, they yeah. was like oh no we'll just renew it we'll add an extra 500 quid to your salary what? and then every six months they just used to add 500 quid to my salary oh my, <laughs> my salary that I already thought was sick right living life and man. then yeah Ed was obviously still like my best friend so he was like on tour at this point yeah. so I was going to like LA Miami like wow. all these places like I was actually living my best so that was the catalyst of like mm. the rest of my my life for me yeah. like that Ajira moment because it, it threw moment. me into major label world and obviously I'm, I'm here today still at major label world but with my own label yeah I mean your work rate is is admirable like you, you. you it seems like you've just kept it up from the get go and it, it stayed with you throughout you took a massive risk mm-hmm. um, back then obviously not knowing if, if Ed was going to pop off and like weren't ever going to take any um, suggestions from you anymore would you say that the risks um, you wouldn't be t- you wouldn't be here today without taking those risks yeah I don't think that they're risks I think that like you always have to remember what you're here to do mm-hmm. and I came here because I love music yeah. you know everything that I did like rolling with Chantel and like writing articles and yeah. journalism and then PR doing PR for the artists and radio it's all because I love music yeah. and I want to share music with people and I think I have a really good way of delivering music to people whether yeah. I'm writing about it um, in, in as in a journalist or writing a press release about it mm-hmm. or talking about it on radio I mm-hmm. believe that you believe me yeah. when I talk passionately about this song so I was always here to do that and when I'm like saying okay cool I'm going to spend time working on a cheering project or whatever the project may be it's mm-hmm. because I really want to be here yeah. and so it's never a risk to me because I did what I came here to do yeah. and success is measured on different scales that like that could have not been number two that could have not even charted mm-hmm. but a success in collaborations project is that Ed ticked another thing off of his box that he wanted to do you know mm-hmm. he'd had EPs before then it was a success all round wasn't it yeah for, like for every party for everybody the situation. he already had EPs like he had a country EP he had like an acoustic EP like he had EPs so yeah. this was just another EP that he wanted to do so even the process of just doing it and getting it done it was so much fun and it was just so chill that that was a success for me 
Day three is March 2013 when I'm on Rinse FM and I'm struggling to find a DJ name. Was this your first radio experience? It was. Yeah. Uh, me and Julie Azanuga sent a demo in to the generic Rinse FM email yeah. address that we recorded. Individually or, or together. together, yeah. We recorded it on our iPhone mm-hmm. and then we put it in GarageBand on a laptop <laughs> and then we edited in all three minutes of a track around our talking. Jeez, if that isn't everyday hustle, <laughs> then guys, you need to learn a lesson from this Listen, right now. <laughs> we sent it off. And at the time, Julie's obviously pirate radio lives and breathes it, like mm-hmm. way better know sisters. So she knows about Rinse FM and that. Like me, I don't really know. So no. I'm just kind of going with the flow of what my brethren said, let's do, because it's going to be sick. Yeah. And so we did it on banter, because it's funny to me to record a radio show with you on your phone. Yeah, of and edit course. It yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just us having another day being signed and Julie. We sent it off, nothing ever happened. And then they got in contact with us like a couple of months later saying, hey, Julie, like, would you and Cyan like to come and do a radio show? So we were like, what? Did what? they ever get our email? Or is this just yeah, random? Yeah, yeah. There was like, yeah, it's a Christmas show with Scratcher. So we was like, cool. So we went on Scratcher TV show. And after that, they was like, oh, do you want to come back? Do you want to come back? Do you want to come back? And we was like, yeah. And they was like, do you want to show it together? And we was like, oh my God, yeah. Wow. And to man. this day, like, we don't know whether they ever received our demo no. or not. Like, <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs> it might have just been fake. <laughs> it might have been fake because we were both blogging at the time. Yeah. And we would go to the Rinse FM um, raves as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it might have just been fake. Um, so would you say but that's important to... to stay like um, around and involved within that scene if you're trying to get into it? Oh God, yeah. Like yeah. you have to live and breathe it. Yeah. Like you really have to live and breathe it. Otherwise, you know, what's the point? Yeah. You know? So we, um, we was on air and I didn't know how to mix. <clears throat> the first day, they got JJ, who was the DJ for the OG. So we yeah. already knew him to, to come in and show us how it works. Mm-hmm. So we went into Rinse FM studio now and it was a Sunday in the morning and JJ was like, right, that's the left deck. That's the right deck. That's the microphone. Here's the fader. Bye. And he left us there. Really? And every week something would go wrong. The lights would cut out. The electricity yeah. would cut out. The door would lock itself. Like all these dramas and palavras was happening. But we and Julie would just be like pushing through. <laughs> so we never really thought about like how to present or our DJ technique or whatever. You're just and trying then, to get through it. Trying to get through it. And then one day I was like, I pressed play on both um, cues at, at the same time. Yeah. On both decks. And the tunes started playing in sync. Like I was, they was mixing. So I was like, Julie, I'm mixing. Like, I put the, to put the faders up. I'm like, I'm mixing. Like I'm mixing. And then one started going out out of time <laughs> so then Skilliams texted in and said like told me what to do yeah. to, to bring it back in it that's crazy so he's like push the wheel da, 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 whatever so I'm doing what he's saying on the text line you know Yeah. and, uh, I, and I'm mixing it I'm actually mixing now mm. I brought it back in like yeah. I'm like oh my god then Elijah started getting involved yeah. um, from Butters Camp and he was like yeah do this do that I was like oh my god this is it then a couple of weeks later obviously it was a Sunday yeah. so we used to rave out into the morning so yeah. uh, Brick Lane was where Rinse was so we just would rave and then go straight to radio mm-hmm. and then go Nando's after then go home and sleep for like that's the rest crazy. of the day so one time I was drunk yeah. like and I've gone to radio and like the pitch is all the way up here so the tunes are going <laughs> mad fast about an hour and a half into the show Skillium texting his, no Spyro texting and was like I can't do this to you anymore yeah. I've been listening the whole show and you and Julie are pissed <laughs> and the fade is up and every tune has been going like super fast so me and Julie is like oh my god this is so embarrassing we've pulled it down we're like basically sorry everyone's texting in like we knew we thought it was jokes like they thought it was hilarious so I was like okay cool no I'm taking the CJ thing yeah, serious yeah, now because yeah. I need to know these things I can't be doing a radio oh. show Course, yeah. and not clocking at the pictures all the way up and all this stuff the tempos all the way up so I started to learn like on air like how to mm. mix and, and stuff like that and I was like right what should my DJ name be yeah. and uh, no one had one for me yeah. like it was all there was all rubbish man it was so rubbish and it went on for weeks like who's gonna find my DJ name yeah. um, and at the same time I was obviously at Warner and I was working as promotions coordinator but I was getting like itchy like I wanted to do my own um, company because people were like what does she do like she's at Warner doing like promotions mm. but she does PR for these people and she writes like, all over the place and she's place, radio yeah. like what does she do so 
um, someone advised me to like set up a company and then do like PR, like project management consultancy as your company, then mm. as Cyan Anderson, you're a presenter and a journalist. Yeah. So it's like, great. I need a company name as well. But it was at the back of my mind. Like I just thought, I'll find one when the time's yeah, right. Yeah, of course. And then someone called John texted into the show and was like, I think your DJ name should be Sidetracked because... Big up John. <laughs> and he'd never texted into the show before, ever. Like, yeah. I have no idea who John is, but yeah. he was just like, I think your DJ name should be Sidetracked because you love the song by Jamie and Wiley Sidetracked. You play it every show yeah. and your name's Sire and Tracked signifies music. Of course. And I was like, oh my God, this is my company oh, name. Oh, shout out to I, I, They've taught you how to DJ. Oh They've God, given I you know. a name. <laughs> they gave me my company name. And I was like, oh my God, this is so sick because I'm so, I get so distracted as well. Yeah. Like, my attention span is like zero. Like, <laughs> I just, I'm, in my head, I'm thinking something else. All, at all times what sort of so names were like, going through your head sick. Um, I can't even remember but they were rubbish man <laughs> they were so rubbish they, I'm so glad I don't remember either uh, yeah, shout out to John so man. that was a good moment because yeah. it, it, that's when I became like sidetracked yeah um, set up a company called Company's House like all these things I learned how to like set up a business this is off crazy. the back of, of John all them things there that they you know the UCAS form didn't teach you yeah you basically I mean? so moving from an amazing station like Rinse then on to BBC Radio One Extra how did that come about? Uh, complacency yeah uh, yeah. I felt very complacent at Rinse at one point mm. I was just like I'm just here with my friends Rinse is a family yeah like it's not like a corporate organisation no. it's a family um, Sarah has her children in there with her and her, like, her family's there so it's family amazing, yeah. so I'm just chill do you get me? I go do my show. Mm. Me and Julie go Nando's after. Mm. Like all the MCs come through. We just have a great time. And I and I looked at Spyro and I, and Spyro was Tinchy Strider's official DJ. Yeah. And he'd been on Rinse for like ten years. I looked at Maximum and he was boy, but I know his official DJ. He'd mm. been there for ten years. And I thought there's a real danger here that you are going to just stay here for yeah. ten years. Like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. No. But is it what you want? Like, do you want to stay here for ten years and do the Grime Show? Mm. And I thought, oh wait, I don't know. I actually don't know because I just fell into this and I thought okay step away and the BBC had been hollering me and Julie for years asking us to come and demo and we was like nah like we're not mm. feeling it and then one woman called Emma Stevens who funnily enough is now the project manager of, of my next step program she we really liked her just in general so she yeah. was like look come in with me see see how you feel we went in there the old building and we was like as soon as we stepped in we was like this ain't for us you know no. like security yeah yeah and yeah, then yeah. Like, a bit too corporate yeah. not your usual vibe we went in the studios like the studios was mad professional like we didn't really know what to do the desk was huge yeah. and b- both of us we didn't say anything to each other but we just knew like this ain't it so we did the demo but we were both just a bit whatever in a demo Yeah. and then we kind of left and we just didn't want to revisit it but they kept different production companies kept saying can we come back in Yeah. and we were just like mm-mm like we're not really on it so there was hollering like every like February randomly it was every February yeah. for like three years or something it was like nah so then anyway I left Rinse and, but I think Rinse were aware of where I was like mentally yeah. like this isn't about they, you this is about me they, yeah exactly yeah so they were chill with it and obviously I remained friends to this day with everybody at Rinse so I just kind of stopped and then like after about three or four months I was like raw mad miss radio and then the, one of the um, production companies called me and said look will you come to the BBC and I was like okay I went in and did a demo and mm-hmm. then they kept calling and it was like look it's between you and one other person like there was like 10 different people that pitched for it but it's literally just you and them yeah can you is there anything more you can give us like about what you're up to just to yeah. kind of cross it cross it over the line and I was just like no and actually this is what I don't want I don't want to be fighting for a show and no. like, this is not mm-mm. I kind of just you asked me to come in you're like came. me for me I'm not yeah, there to like sit down and compete this with is not what I'm doing like it yeah. so anyway he called me back the next day and he was like look you didn't get it um, but the show was uh, has gone to Diplo and I was like 
oh, that's all right then. <laughs> like, if Diplo's the person I lost the show to, like, that's chill. Yeah. I'm not going to be upset I lost the show to Diplo. Like, I thought it was someone of my, of my, of my ilk, innit? Yeah, like, I thought course. I was up against, like, another Stein Anderson. Like, yeah. Diplo. I was never going to get that show. Like, whatever, man. So, I, and I felt good again. I thought, yeah. actually, no, maybe I do want to do this. If, like, yeah, like, so, and then I found out some of the other people who was actually pitching for it and I was like, mm. oh, okay, cool. No, they really rate me if it was up against me and this person. So, they were like, okay, cool, we'll come back to you. And then they hit me and it was like, right, we got Clara and Fo covers for you um, but it was like 6am it was a breakfast yeah. show on the weekend yeah. like over Christmas as well and it was like we've got this for you so let me guess you went raving didn't go to sleep then went in a million percent <laughs> a million percent not for the first show the first show I was sick I had flu I was yeah. so upset I thought I've ruined everything my first show I'm sick like mm. but it was fine like I got through it but um, yeah I, I, I just came and done these shows but we did like 10 hours of training on the desk mm-hmm. and stuff came and did these shows very quickly uh, kind of escalated and then got, got my own um, specialist show on Wednesday nights there. and I was like oh yeah this is what I want to do I can just mix ground for like three hours yeah. and just chat and just just chill yeah. it was sick like knowing that you're giving the man in PRS and the gal in PRS yeah. like actually getting paid for their music to be played like that brought a whole new element to yeah. me and what I do like it was sick day four was the 5th of December mm-hmm. 2015 going home from the hospital with my boy Elijah obviously he was born the day before they made me stay overnight so he mm. was born on Jay-Z's birthday yeah yeah, yeah. Just, just, a, just throwing December that one out there yeah <laughs> uh, that was mad like when I when I got out of the hospital because there's all these rules in it of mm. you have to have a, a um, car seat yeah how to, old was you at the time sorry uh, 25 wow you have to have a car seat you have to have like the scratch mittens for the baby you have mm-hmm. to have a hat for the baby you have to have like a warm coat like there's things that you obviously have to have mm. that you're going to buy anyway but that the hospital don't let you leave unless you've got your kid wrapped up in all these things so yeah. I was like okay cool oh my god like panic just make sure I've got these things if, like is the baby like comfy in his chairs yeah. cool amazing like let's go walked out the hospital like got in the car I didn't know how to strap in the car seat I was like is someone not going to come and like show me how to do this? Yeah. And then you know like you're turning around, looking around mm-hmm. and you're like, nobody knows because this is alien to all of us. Yeah. And it's actually only down to me to figure it out. How did you find your feet? Uh, well, first of all, Elijah's dad strapped him into the car. Right. Okay. Okay. okay, <laughs> okay he okay, he okay, did yeah, know yeah. what to do. Yeah, yeah. So that was that was step one. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we got home, and I and I was just like, okay, cool. Every two hours, you have to feed this child. But mm-hmm. it quickly became apparent that like there's um, there's a hierarchy to the order of things that need to be done in addition to feeding the child. You know, mm-hmm. like the washing, like mm-hmm. washing myself, like yeah. cooking, like cleaning. There's things that need to finding the balance. Yeah, and then so on day one I kind of just slept and then on day two my whole mm-hmm. body was aching and mm-hmm. I was like oh my god I actually just like it's like I just run a marathon like, of mm-hmm. course my body's gonna ache mm-hmm. and then day three I was like what on earth like and it was just literally like really like traumatizing mentally yeah just like not knowing um how your body feels and yeah. not knowing how you mentally feel and also not being able to like stand up and pick up your baby when it's he's crying because you, your body is not moving because it's yeah. in so much pain um so I got to like day four and I was like oh my god like I don't want to be depressed. Like, I don't want to, like, end up having um, postnatal depression because yeah. I know that that's a thing. Yeah. And this is probably why. Because people just sit there and they're just like, I just feel defeated, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, If you could go back and say say something to to yourself in that situation, what would it be now, now that you've been through it all? Just get support. Mm. Because 
the support that I had, I'm so lucky I had it because I just had like um, my two best friends yeah. who had had kids before, but like 10 years before. Yeah. And then my mum. Yeah. They like talked me through like every step of the way. They literally stayed in the house for like a week and made sure that like wicked, everything I needed was mm. there. Like the, on the second day, there were 14 girls in my house and they were cooking <laughs> and cleaning and playing music. And they took the baby off me and was like, you're going to sleep in your mum's room. We'll bring him up every two hours for you to breastfeed. Yeah. But you are sleeping for yeah. the whole day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so I had like a real good support system around me. Yeah. And I think that it's, you need that if you don't have a big family and you don't have lots of friends like you need to find like that one person or even if it's the midwife and say to the midwife that I'm going to need you on day two yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, like, and I think there needs to be something like that available for women because yeah. it's so shocking like you mm-hmm. just you have no idea what's about to happen mm-hmm. and then you think hang on you've left me with this human being to, to bring this human being yeah. up like with no guidebook like what am I supposed to do here yeah. and then I went back to work after like three months because the the, the um process is so repetitive mm-hmm. you know like you're breastfeeding you're changing bums you're you know like it's just the same thing over and over like and over and over, and over. Yeah, yeah every day and I thought oh my god I have to I have to get back to me again quickly before I completely lose my way like I mm-hmm. was like right like I could just end up being at home on benefits obsessed with my child yeah for the rest of my life and because I've seen other people do it of course I, was yeah, like, I get yeah. now why other people just do it because there's a lot so of people obsessed. out there that do it oh my god you're so obsessed with your child mm-hmm. and you don't want to be anywhere else and you don't want to find yourself again yeah. you just want to be in this moment and watch every new thing that your child does and yeah. I thought I- I'm in danger of just never going back yeah um so I went back to radio the, re- the repetitiveness of the, the first couple of months of being a mum um, it was getting me down like it was really messing with my head and I was like I need to just be around something that's not a baby or baby talk I yeah. need to just do something else um, so you know I went and cut all my hair off like changed its colour like yeah, you know like yeah. I just really just went in yeah. and I should never have done that because my hair was great before <laughs> but I just had a moment where I just wanted to do new and then I went back to radio and everyone was like oh my god you're back and I was like yeah like, it's been three months yeah. and my show is like for three hours on a Wednesday night at 10pm like yeah. the child definitely sleeping like he's absolutely fine mm-hmm. everyone was really confused like oh what are you doing back like we didn't think you was going to come back and I'm like whatever and they're like no we thought that was it what? like you're a mum now like you're out of the game and I was like right is that what people think like and everyone's reaction was the same that must have added like a lot of pressure on like um you thinking like sort of everybody's just like jumped to conclusions and you're sitting there like wow nothing's changed for me nothing's changed and also it was over the Christmas period so mm. none of you were working anyway so it's yeah. not like I even went anywhere like we yeah. all was not working <laughs> So what? <laughs> like, where you been? What, what, you're back already? What, you ain't even been here yourself. <laughs> exactly. It was very bizarre. And I was like, right, okay, cool. And then I thought, I need to speak to some mums in music because this is like very, very like stressful mm-hmm. to, to, to have to deal with all these people saying all these things. Um, I need to speak to someone who's like, no, mm. actually I've had a kid and it was fine and it's been fine and mm-hmm. there are no issues here. And I, and I yeah. looked around and I was like, there isn't anyone. I was like, there's Sarah yeah. at, at Rinse. And, that, and that's it. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't really find like another person, businesswoman, who had children or a child mm. who would just try to cement themselves back into the industry. Yeah. And then that was difficult because yeah. I was like, okay, cool. Now I feel the weight of the world on me because actually you've all made it clear that you're all watching yeah. now and waiting to see what happens. So I need to really make sure this works and pull it out of the bag. And yeah. pull it out of the bag. So then my motivation behind like going back to work at that point was not really. Um, about Elijah or about me it was about I need mm-hmm. to probably show all these women that you can do that you know you can, can have a child yeah. and you can work and it will be absolutely fine Yeah. Um, so that was my motivation behind like straight murking yeah. for, for a year yeah. um, and then after the first year I was like okay cool I'm going to spend like 
serious time finding the balance with my mm-hmm. son because he's now you know really active yeah, and he, he misses mum when yeah. she's not there and mum misses him. him and I'm just obsessed with him it's like, that maternal feeling yeah. god yeah like, I'm so obsessed with him like yeah. it's so difficult every day to leave him yeah. Yeah, he, he's just the most adorable ever like he's just brilliant uh, so year two I was like look I've shown everyone that you can do this mm-hmm. and now I'm going to do me yeah. and, and find a balance with my son Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. So day five on the Everyday Hustle is five years into your future. Where do you see yourself going? Where do you see your life at? Mm-hmm. Obviously with the house, mm-hmm. Elijah growing up. Um, but where's the ultimate sort of like end goal in terms of success where you can deem it as, as like, yeah, kind of, I've made it. So I would like next step to be a yearly thing. Mm-hmm. I would like to always have next step there um, where young people can just come and learn like whether it's how to be an artist a DJ a PR a journalist yeah. like whatever that may be I would always like to have a programme running mm-hmm. where young people can just come and, and exist and the thing about Next Step is it's not just about like music you know we've got people we've got social workers who come down and speak to the girls we've got like vocal trainers come down and speak to the girls mm. we've got um like we've got a girl from Gyalim coming down to one yeah. of our sessions just to talk about what it's actually just like being yeah. a black woman in music like yeah cool all this great stuff and you're doing X XOY show and X, Y and Z but actually when you then step out of next step into the real world here's the things that might happen to you yeah. you know so it's more than just music mm-hmm. it's about really getting you ready mentally and preparing you mm-hmm. for the world and I feel like it's necessary we don't have it and I want to continue it um, but I want to continue it in a way that it runs itself. Like I don't want it in five years have to be on the ground with it. I no. want it to. I want it to be enough women who want to nurture, nurturing yeah. through next step with yeah. individuals. What an amazing vision! Um, and it's not just women either. Mm-hmm. But I strongly believe, like with the knife crime and gun crime epidemic, that it's crazy. when you speak to man manim and you're like, why do you do this? Um, you know, when it's like comes to drugs and gangs or whatever more time they're going to tell you like oh I'm trying to get my mum out of the hood yeah like that's there's the, a deeper meaning behind yeah, it like it's the reoccurring thing I hear is that like, I need to but get that's my never mum highlighted all you all that's highlighted in the headlines is oh 18 year old been stabbed mm-hmm. by another 18 year old mm-hmm. 
and and it, it, but like when you yeah when you like scratch the surface and and you get really deep it's like they all they want to do is get their parents at the ends yeah. and get themselves at the ends and mm. i think you know it's obviously quite um a big thing in the black community in particular mm-hmm. and i'm like why don't we just help black women Mm-hmm. Like, why don't we get to the core of why are black women still like on benefits in council estates, bringing up loads of kids with mm-hmm. no support and no husbands and no this and no that, like mm-hmm. to the point where they're having kids and their kids feel a pressure to be the dad of the house, Yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I, I want to get to the core of the black woman and help educate the black woman and give the black woman opportunities yeah. so that she doesn't have to have a child who's going to go out and do X, Y, Z and X, Y, Z to get money for mum. Yeah. Like Elijah when people run joke and say, oh, he's going to be an MC because he loves music and he's always mm. like trying to rap and whatever. People are like, oh, he's going to be an MC. Like, how are you going to stop him from being a little driller? Mm. And I'm like, I'm going to get on one extra and tell them he's lying. Yeah. Here's the debut single from my son doing drill, but he's lying. We live in a mansion <laughs> on a farm. <laughs> he's a liar. <laughs> you know, like that, like you're just lying. Like, because yeah. I managed to do better. Yeah, do you get me? I hustled real. hard every day yeah. and I done better and yeah. he's not a driller. No. Like, he's a liar. <laughs> it's not going to go like yeah. Do you get me? Yeah. Like, so I just want to, I think if we get to the of the woman and like do better by our women yeah. they can do better by their children that's sick and I, there's a lot that I blamed my mum for when I was younger mm-hmm. like why don't I have these trainers and why do you shop at Lidl and things that now I'm an adult I'm like oh my god I really put now some pressure on you that's just yeah. stu- like stupid like and then my brother done the same thing I want to do this for mum and that for mum and this yeah. for mum and that for mum and it's like right if, if, if we could have just got to the core if someone could have got to the core of my mum mm-hmm. early enough because it wasn't that she weren't working and it wasn't that she weren't trying it was just that the way that society set up for her she was destined to fail and stay in the same system for a yeah. long time and not be able to get out yeah like i still to this day say to my mom like why haven't you got savings yeah and you can't live month to month paycheck to paycheck but it's just no. what they're used to in that yeah, generation like course. they don't care they're not it's like what, um, what does mom say to me um you, you only live once in it like when you mm. when you're gone you're gone what am i saving money for yeah and i'm like their mentality is so different so like if we can get to those those women um at this age now like as they're 16 17 18 becoming yeah. women and it educate them and give the them the future. tools we can hopefully change it for the future and that's not to say okay don't go to university mm-hmm. and whatnot and so forth but it's like if you're going to do that then the time that you get spent outside of university we shouldn't be pushing this message of freshers week and turning up and this and that and university it, it, that's, that's not it no go, that's, that's go the reason what, do work I, experience I with Cyan Anderson yeah, straight. do you know like that like go and do work experience yeah. with Cyan Anderson or with Charlie Sloth or do you get me go and get find someone get yourself a mentor get something yeah, that's like, going to push you in the right exactly. direction with your life not just turn you up for a week and exactly then, yeah. Or go and work in Tesco's. Do you get me? Like yeah. that whole that whole message of yes, turn up. Like when you're in university, like that's not it. Do you get me? So I want to just an do illusion, better man. by that it's generation of people, and that's gonna make me feel like um, like like success in yeah. the next five years. Just having like a bunch of mm. of, ki- of kids who I've nurtured who yeah. are just doing better for themselves. And you can't impact everyone. Yeah. Can you? you can't impact everyone. But when I look back at all of the mentoring programs I've done, I can name you at least like. 30, 40 people who have jobs right now in today's music industry, who have a moral compass, who really work hard, who know what they're doing and who are inspiring and creating change. And that's good enough for me. And that's a success in itself. Yeah. Mm. Um, if you had to give three things, um, three tips for the people listening in, mm-hmm. they may be going into completely different industry to you or they might be going in to look into the same thing. Mm-hmm. What would those three tips you would say to them be I think with the music industry in particular I think remember that it's entertainment Mm -hmm. like it's not the be all and end all of of the world like it's entertainment you're supposed to be entertained or entertaining Mm -hmm. (laughs) the minute it starts to not be fun anymore (laughs) you've got to sit down and like rethink what's going on it's not supposed to be like the end of the world yeah you know sometimes I sit in label meetings and people are panicking and going ballistic and I'm like 
guys, we're not saving lives here. No. Like... If it ain't working, change it up. Yeah, like, mm. it's not that deep. And if we all just chill out a second, maybe we can we can get this right. But because you're looking at it as a business, mm. you're getting a rate. But actually, this is entertainment, so let's entertain. So in that in the, in the music industry in particular, I would say I would say that. But in, in any other industry, I think, like, remember that that's, that's your job. You know, don't bring mm-hmm. your job home with you. Mm-hmm. That's a big mistake to make. Yeah. Bringing your job home with you and, and letting your job take over you. Yeah. Um, the second one I would say that's really worked for me is have a boss yeah. at all times. Like I did go through a period with Sidetracked where I was like, yeah, I work for myself. A hundred percent. But I mean, that's what goes through most people's <laughs> yeah. lives. That, that, they, they're growing up thinking, oh no, I don't want a boss when I'm older. Oh, no, forget that. Yeah. But it's really Everyone important. wants to be a boss. No one wants to have one. Mm. And I was like that. I didn't want to have a boss. I was independent. I had my mm. own thing going on. Da, 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 da. Then I read the four hour work week and it said um, something about like, can you leave the country um, for two weeks and your company will still run and exist without you mm. but it like eggs you on it's like right go now like leave the country mm. now type thing so I left the country and my whole thing fell to shit like really? yeah and it was like okay your business structure was only working because you was there Yeah. and so your staff are leaning on you in a way or you're dictating in a way that yeah. doesn't allow your business to function um, when you're not there so I was like like with Next Step now every session starts at 10 I arrive at either 11 or 12 mm-hmm. and when I arrive I expect everything to be working like clockwork yeah. because the team of people I've employed know what they're doing and they're fully briefed and yeah. it doesn't my ship sells with me not on it Yeah, you know so that's because I then went back to have a boss mm-hmm. you know like I really learn from that boss like yeah, okay, yeah. what is it about you that keeps this whole record label running mm-hmm. and what is it about my line manager that keeps all of his people in check like what are those characteristics that I need in order to make my own company work and then mm-hmm. now that I've put those characteristics into next step like it runs like clockwork yeah. and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I if I hadn't been able to learn from someone else so yeah. I think it's important to have a boss man and obviously you get to a certain stage where you then don't need a boss yeah. but if you're talking tips for like up and coming people like don't be afraid to have a boss and don't think that you want to be your own boss too soon no. because you I can there's always something to learn yeah and sometimes people are like yeah I've got my own business I've got my own company and I can look in your eyes and see you've never paid HMRC in your life yeah. like you've never paid your tax yeah. ever you've never paid like company tax before mm. like you've not done it yeah. you don't have a business no. <laughs> you know like you don't have a business yeah. like you've got an Instagram page and a Twitter account <laughs> you don't have a business this is real though like this, this is real no because it's and it's real and, and to learn how to even do things like that like that should be back in schools yeah that should really because I'll yeah. tell you what being self-employed doing my first ever one that was that's very difficult it's hard man and it's scary and I got like caught up in the whole HMRC thing for mm-hmm. years and it and it literally made me so depressed. It was horrible. Yeah. I couldn't work for like two years whilst I was trying to get my head around this whole HMRC thing yeah. and my business was failing because I wasn't at the forefront mm-hmm. running the business. And that's when I was like, rah, I, I, need, a, I need a boss. Like, mm-hmm. I need somebody else to just whip me back into gear like and, and just, because my staff was sucking from me. Who mm. am I sucking from? You exactly. Know? So the second one I think is, is, yeah, have a boss. Don't just try and be your own yeah. boss too soon. And the third one integrity why are you here what are you here to do and always kind of remembering that like it's really important to not get lost yeah um and when you're in a decision making process a lot of the questions um question marks you have over certain decisions that you may or may not want to do can be answered very easily by you just saying why am i here yeah like sometimes i get offered jobs and the money's amazing and like the opportunity is amazing is it really what you want to do and i think is this what i really came here to Mm -hmm. do like 
because if it's not I'm going to do this and it's going to escalate and escalate and escalate and I'm going to end up on a boat somewhere in Hawaii <laughs> not doing what I set out to do <laughs> and then try and rein it all back in yeah. and it might be a bit too late of course so for me personally I figured that if you kind of stick to your moral compass and you remember what you was here to do mm-hmm. when you get to the end of your journey mm. and you look back and you reflect at mm. least you're going to feel good about the fact yeah. that you know I, I done what I, what I came to do obviously everyone's going to sway in some ways and dip their toes into other things and you know lose their way at some point but I think if you constantly wake up in the morning and think like why am I here what is my goal like what am I here to yeah. do then that's the drive like that's the thing that's going to give you like your everyday hustle mm-hmm. hey look quoting it in there as well <laughs> I love that sign listen it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you girl like you, you're an absolute inspiration <laughs> Uh, I've been Tyler West. Don't forget to let us know what you think and talk to us about your everyday hustles over on our social media. You can find us at Everyday Hustle Show on Instagram and at ED Hustle Show on Twitter. Please leave us a review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this show. This has been the Everyday Hustle, a Studio 71 production. Thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye. 